chapter 15. We're going to focus on verses 5 through 7 this morning of Romans 15. Like I said last week, the Apostle Paul's been talking about God's glory through our unity. How it brings God glory when we dwell in unity in the body of Christ. That's what he prays for in the verses before us this morning and what he exhorts us to as Christians, to live in harmony with each other and to welcome each other despite our differences. And when we do that, of course, we bring glory to God together. We showcase the power of his grace. We display God's ability to change our lives, to so change our lives and to bring us together around the gospel, to bring together a group of people who are different in so many ways and yet are all united around the truth of the gospel of Christ. That brings glory to God. That, that draws people's attention to the reality of God and to the truth and power of his gospel. And so these verses before us this morning, they teach us to pursue unity, but they teach us to pursue unity for God's glory. That'll be our focus this morning, to pursue unity for God's glory. Let's pray together and ask for the Lord's help, and then we'll dive in. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you, by your spirit, would open our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts so that we can receive the truth of your word. Help us to learn what you want us to learn from these particular verses at this particular time in our lives and in the life of our church. We thank you for our unity in Christ, but we do know, we do acknowledge that there are many things that would seek to pull at the strings of that unity. So would you guard us and protect us from those things in your mercy and help us, enable us to pursue unity for your glory. Please grant us to live in such harmony with one another that together we may with one voice glorify you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray together in the name of Christ, amen. Romans chapter 15, I'll start reading at verse one, but again, our focus this morning is gonna be on verses five through seven. This is the word of God. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 
Last week we covered points one and two in your sermon notes. Today we'll cover points three and four, Paul's prayer for unity in verses five and six, and the final exhortation he gives in verse seven. And we'll see again how all of this teaches us to pursue unity for God's glory. So first, point number three in your notes. Let's look at this prayer for unity in verses five and six. And we'll notice three things here. Number one, what kind of prayer this is. Number two, how Paul refers to God in it. And number three, what he wants God to do, what he asks God to do. And I'll mention those again as we go along. So first, let's consider what kind of prayer this is. Look again at verse five. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, etc. What kind of prayer is this? Well, it's not a normal prayer. It's not expressed to God in the first person, as in, God, please grant these believers to live in harmony with one another. It's not addressed to God directly. It's addressed to the believers Paul's writing to, right? May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you Believers to live in such harmony. So instead of addressing God about the believers, he's addressing the believers about God. It's not God grant them harmony, it's may God grant you harmony. You may have noticed that the prayers in Paul's letters in the New Testament sometimes take this form. Some have called it a prayer wish, a prayer wish. Another example would actually be in this chapter down in verse 13. If you look at Romans 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Those are examples of prayer wishes we sometimes find in Paul's letters. We also find prayer reports. There are prayer reports where he tells the believers what he's praying for them. For example, Philippians chapter one verses nine through 11, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul's reporting to them what he's praying for them. Prayer wishes, there are prayer reports, and then there's prayer requests that Paul makes where he asks for prayer for himself and for others. Like in Ephesians chapter six, verses 18 through 20, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So a number of different kinds of prayers in Paul's letters. And if you're like me, you need help when it comes to prayer. We all need help in our practice of prayer, in our prayer lives. And God has given us a great resource in Paul's letters, in Paul's prayers, to help us in our praying. They teach us about prayer. They call us to pray. They, they model praying for us. And they give us good content that we can use in our own prayers for ourselves and for each other. 
So just a reminder and an encouragement for us to use this resource God has given us as we all seek to grow in this practice of prayer. You could take a look at Philippians 1, 9 through 11 sometime this afternoon perhaps. That would be a good Lord's Day afternoon activity. You could read it slowly and turn it into prayer as you go and pray for your fellow church members. It's one of the ways we can pursue unity with each other is to take time to pray for each other. I would also recommend an excellent book on this called Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson. If you want to jot down the title, Praying with Paul. He has a chapter on each one of the main prayers of Paul, some of which I've mentioned, along with some topical chapters on prayer. Uh, We should have a copy of that book on the book of the month shelf, Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson. But let's use this resource God has so graciously given us, the prayers in Paul's letters, to give us the help we need as we seek to grow in our practice of prayer. So again, the kind of prayer we have here in verses five and six is a prayer wish, where Paul expresses to the believers his wish or his desire that God would grant them unity. The second thing I want us to notice here is how Paul refers to God, how he refers to God. He is the God of endurance and encouragement. The God of endurance, the God of encouragement. That is the God who is the source of our endurance. The God who is the source of our encouragement. We cannot endure in the Christian life in our own strength. But God enables us to endure. He is the source of our endurance. God is also the source of our encouragement. We face so many discouragements as we go through life in this fallen world, don't we? But God encourages us on our journey through the wilderness. We heard that in Sunday school this morning in the class in here. We heard the testimony of how God has worked in the lives of three of our members and we were so encouraged by his grace and his power in in each of our lives. God encourages us as we go through the wilderness of this fallen world. He is the God of endurance. He is the God of encouragement. He is so much the source of our endurance and so much the source of our encouragement that he is referred to as the God of endurance and encouragement. He is so identified with these things and so characterized by them that he is named by them here. He is the God of endurance, the God of encouragement. He is an ocean of these things to us and for us, a bottomless ocean. He is an inexhaustible source of what we need. And he gives us the ability to endure and he gives us encouragement by means of his word, by means of scripture. Remember what Paul said in verse four. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Endurance, encouragement. You see that repeated in verse five. So endurance and encouragement come from God and they're given to us through his word. God is the source. God's word is the channel. God's word is the straw through which we drink up more of God and his grace each day but God himself is the source God is the source we draw from for endurance and encouragement 
This is a good opportunity to remember that God is the source of everything else we need, too. He's our source of strength when we are weak. He's our source of wisdom when we just don't know what to do. He's our source of hope when we are tempted to despair. He's our source of rest when we are overwhelmed. God is our source of comfort when we are grieving. Our source of joy when we are struggling. He's our source of contentment in all the different circumstances of life that we face, both good and bad. As John Calvin once put it, God is the source of my every good. Therefore, I should seek nothing beyond him. God is the source of everything we truly need. So in our time of need, let's go to God, not other things. By faith, we should get what we need from God. By prayer, we should draw strength and encouragement and hope and help from him, the source. We shouldn't turn inward to ourselves or outward to the world. We should turn upward to God because he is the God of endurance and encouragement. He is the source of everything we truly need. And not only is he able to give us endurance and encouragement, he is also able to give us unity. He's able to give us the ability to live in harmony with each other. And that's the third thing we should take note of here. What Paul God wants God to do. What Paul wants God to do. Look at what he says. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, may God grant you, meaning grant you, to the, grant you the ability to live in such harmony with one another. He says, in accord with Christ Jesus, that is, in accord with Christ's teaching, in accord with Christ's example, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to live in such harmony with each other that we glorify God together with one voice? That sounds great. What does that mean? Well, to live in harmony with one another implies both diversity and unity, doesn't it? It implies that we are different from each other, but that we are united together. Just like the concept of harmony when it comes to music. It's about different notes combined together to make one unified sound. Like playing a chord on the piano. It's multiple different notes, but one unified chord. And that's the sense of what Paul's saying here. We're different from each other, but we're to live in harmony with each other. Some of us are C's, some of us are G's, some of us are A's. We're different notes, but we're to make one chord, one unified sound for the glory of God. And, and how do we do that? Well, by doing the things Paul's been talking about in this part of the letter, by bearing with one another in love, by pleasing each other for each other's good in Christ by building each other up, not tearing each other down, 
by welcoming one another, not quarreling or passing judgment on each other, by not putting a stumbling block or hindrance in each other's way, by walking in love toward one another, by pursuing what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Or as Paul says in another place, Philippians chapter two, verses one and two, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Remember the verse we read on the front of the bulletin, 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Notice, not necessarily unanimity of mind, but unity of mind and humility of mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, he says something similar. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Or perhaps... The words of Jesus have come to your mind from John 17, verse 11. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Later in John 17, verses 20 through 23, Jesus prays, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Paul says in Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's what we want to be as God's people, as a local church here. That's what we're called to be a unity of diverse members, standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We want to be an orchestra with many different instruments but all working together to make one beautiful sound. We want to be a football team, if you prefer. Many different kinds of players but all working together to execute one play. We want to live in such harmony with one another that we glorify God together with one voice. I think we reflect this when we sing hymns and psalms together here in corporate worship, as we've done this morning, especially when we sing parts as we're able. We have different voices, even different tunes that we're singing. But when you put them all together, there's a beautiful harmony. We're singing with one voice to
to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we display and we deepen our unity in Christ. So that's Paul's prayer for unity or prayer wish for unity. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then gives a final exhortation concluding this whole section really and let's look at that now under our second main point. Point number four in your notes, final exhortation. Look at verse seven. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. It's a wonderful verse. We'll notice three things briefly in this verse. First, the exhortation, then the example, then the end. The exhortation is, therefore, welcome one another. Therefore, that is, in light of all I've been saying about unity, welcome one another. Receive one another into your fellowship. Accept one another. Don't reject one another. Don't exclude each other. Include each other. Welcome one another for the glory of God. Listen to what Matthew Henry wrote about this verse. Let there be a mutual embracing among Christians. Those that have received Christ by faith must receive all Christians by brotherly love. Though poor in the world, though persecuted and despised, though it may be matter of reproach and danger to you to receive them, though in the less weighty matters of the law they are of different apprehensions, Though there may have been occasion for private wounds, yet laying aside these and the like considerations, receive you one another. That's the exhortation. Therefore, welcome one another. Secondly, we should notice the example. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And what an example that is. What an example Christ himself is. Christ welcomed us even though we were his enemies. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Christ has welcomed us, therefore we should welcome each other. Matthew Henry again says, can there be a more cogent argument? Has Christ been so kind to us and shall we be so unkind to those that are his? Was he so forward to entertain us and shall we be backward to entertain our brethren? Christ has received us into the nearest and dearest relations to himself. He has received us into his fold, into his family, into the adoption of sons, into a covenant of friendship, yea, into a marriage covenant with himself. He has received us 
though we were strangers and enemies and had played the prodigal into fellowship and communion with himself. And so we should receive each other. And so we should welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. We shouldn't reject anyone he's accepted. We shouldn't exclude anyone he has welcomed. We shouldn't give the cold shoulder to anyone to whom he's given a warm embrace. So the exhortation is to welcome one another. The example is as Christ has welcomed us. Then the end is at the end of the verse. For the glory of God. The glory of God should be our target that we aim at in the Christian life. We shouldn't do this or anything else for our own glory. We shouldn't do it for the glory of man. We should do it for the glory of God because that's our chief end. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Shorter catechism number one, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. That's our reason for being. That's why we exist as people, as the people of God. We exist for the glory of God. And when we welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed us, we glorify God by doing that. When different people come together as one, because of what Christ has done for us, it glorifies God. It shows God's power that he could bring so many different notes together into one harmony, one harmonious sound. It shows God's grace that he could change sinners' hearts such that we would love someone other than ourselves, such that we would love each other. It shows God's wisdom that he could combine all these parts into one body, into one functioning body of Christ. It shows God's character when we reflect his character in the way we treat each other. When we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us, we fulfill our chief end. We glorify God together. So, in these verses, we've seen that Paul prays for unity and that he exhorts us to unity. These verses teach us to pursue unity for God's glory. And I want to take the rest of the time we have to talk about some practical ways we can do that here at CRPC. And I want to mention seven practical ways. That's not a great number to hear right now, but I'll be brief. (laughs) Seven practical ways that we can pursue unity for God's glory. And as I mention these, if you're already doing them, thank God for his grace and just keep it up by his grace. And if you're not doing them, ask God for his grace. Be challenged and begin today to do them. So how can we pursue unity for God's glory here at CRPC? Number one, we can pray for each other. We can pursue unity for God's glory by praying for each other. The more you pray for someone, 
the more your heart becomes knit to theirs in Christian love. We can pray for each other using the prayer list Dottie provides. We can pray for each other by praying through a page of the church directory each day. We can pray with each other at prayer meeting on Wednesday nights or in other settings. We can pray with each other on the spot when we're talking together after the worship services. We can pursue unity for God's glory by simply praying for each other. Number two, engage with each other. Engage with each other. Now, this is easier for the extroverts among us and much harder for the introverts among us. But by God's enabling grace, all of us can do this for God's glory. The more we engage with each other in conversation, the stronger our bonds of unity will be. I think the best way to do this is just to linger for a while after the worship services on Sundays. Don't be in a hurry to leave. Stick around for a while and interact with people. Find a face you don't know and say hello. Then find a face you know and say hello. Engage with each other about what's going on in your lives, about what stood out to you from the sermon, about how you can pray for each other. Pursue unity for God's glory by engaging with one another. Number three, serve each other. Find ways to serve each other. You do this so wonderfully as a church. You could offer to help an elderly member by walking them to their car. You could offer to help a young mom get food for her kids at a fifth Sunday lunch. You could try to see where there's a need and just quietly meet that need. Be humble and willing to serve others as Christ has served you. Don't think any act of service too low for you to stoop. Serve as you've been served. And as we serve each other, the roots of our unity will grow wider and deeper. Number four, we can pursue unity by bearing with each other, as Paul's mentioned. By being patient with each other. By recognizing that we're all works in progress. By remembering that we're all in the middle of the sanctification process. Nobody's reached the end yet in this room. We're all still on the course. We haven't yet crossed the finish line. As a church, we're not a museum with finished works of art. We're a hospital with patients in need of healing. And when we bear with each other in light of that, We strengthen our unity with one another. Number five, we can pursue unity by confronting each other. Which may seem counterintuitive because wouldn't that fracture our unity? Well, it can if it's not done in love, if it's not done carefully. But if it's not done at all, then our unity is going to be shallow, isn't it? Because we are sinners trying to help each other walk the path of righteousness. And sometimes we stray and we need someone to call us back. Sometimes we stray from the path and we don't even realize it. And we need brothers and sisters who will gently confront us, who will help us see our sin, who will help us see our Savior. 
and who will help lead us back onto the path. And when we do that for each other in love, we strengthen our unity. Number six, we can pursue unity by reconciling with each other. By resolving conflicts as best as we can. By confessing sin and by forgiving sin. By doing what we can to patch things up with others. By doing Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And number seven. We can pursue unity by loving each other by loving each other, Colossians 3, 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If we wanna live in harmony with one another, we of course need to love one another. If we wanna glorify God together with one voice, we need to have love for each other. And not just any kind of love, but the love of Christ himself the love that Christ has for us. And when we love each other as we've been loved by him, then our unity will grow. So seven ways we can pursue unity for God's glory here at CRPC. Pray for each other, engage with each other, serve each other, bear with each other, confront each other, reconcile with each other, and love each other as Christ has loved us. Three questions and then we'll be done. Number one, which of these seven do you see happening most often in our church? Which of these seven do you see happening most often in our church? Thank God for that good fruit. Number two, which of these seven do you think we most need to work on as a church? Which of these seven do you think we most need to work on as a church? Pray for our church, pray for good fruit. And number three, which of these seven do you think you most need to work on? Which of these seven do you think you most need to work on? Pray for yourself and by God's enabling grace, pursue unity for God's glory. And may the God of endurance and encouragement grant us here in this church to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, let's welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would help us to pursue unity for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a minute to think and pray about what we've heard.
You could perhaps think about one of these seven ways we can pursue unity. Thank God for where you see it in our church. Pray for us to grow where we're lacking. And search your own heart and life to see where you need to grow. Ask God to grant you what you need to pursue unity for his glory.